Good morning, Merry Christmas. Uh, this passage is loaded, and this message and this moment will sort of be, I don't know if you've ever been to like a fancy work party or wedding um, where people are walking around with trays of very fine food in very small portions. Uh, I have been, and there's some threshold where you've eaten so many of something that you feel like probably cost uh, the bride's family like eleven fifty per item, but you just got to have uh, more of that little drink or more of that little hors d'oeuvre. That's kind of what this morning's going to be. It's 14 verses of potent, amazing truth that we're going to just take to feast and to eat on, uh, to enjoy Jesus. Uh, what a moment um, on the backside of Christmas Day where light has come. The Messiah has come. And this passage is loaded with amazing truth and amazing news. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, it's an invitation for you to, to sit back, to see, to savor, to enjoy Him. If you're interested in Jesus, if you're a doubter or a seeker of Him, to, to hear this news and to, 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 to wrestle and to, to contemplate uh, what all is true uh, because Christmas is true and because light has come. And so really the the anchor, the anchor verse uh, this morning is verse 9 um, in some Advent devotionals and things this, this season. This, this verse says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Galatians 4.4 4 says that when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son. The language in this verse that the true light was coming implies that it had always been coming. It was always coming. Galatians 4 lets us peer into that where we see the fullness of time, eternity past, the Son, right? The Son of the Trinity was always going to be coming. When did it start? Well, it never really had a start because it always was when the ark was sailing atop the waters and Noah and his family were spared from the judgment of God in the flood, the light was coming. When the ram appeared in the bush at the top of the mountain with Abraham and Isaac to be a sacrifice instead of his son, the true light was coming. When the Red Sea parted to liberate Israel from the hand of their enslavers in Egypt to lead them into the promised land, the true light was coming. When Rahab hung her scarlet cord out of the window to be saved, the judgment of God on Jericho because of her faith in this God that she had heard about, the true light was coming. When Boaz married Ruth as a kinsman redeemer to redeem the story of Naomi and Ruth, the true light of God was coming. When Samuel heard from God that it was going to be the young, small, weak shepherd boy out in the field who would be anointed the rightful king of Israel, the true light of God was coming. When God called Solomon to build a beautiful, big, magnificent, glorious temple where his spirit would dwell on the earth with his people, the true light was coming. When Nebuchadnezzar noticed that there was four in the fire, the true light was coming. When God defeated the armies of Midian with 300 weak and humble men at the hands of Gideon, the true light was coming. When God rescued Israel because of the courageous faith of Mordecai and Esther, the true light was coming. And when God sent forth his army angels into the night, into the little humble town of Bethlehem to a ragtag bunch of shepherds to declare that the, the Son, the Messiah, the light had come in the city of David, that light had come. 
And John 1 is this reminder that light has come. And because light has come, we're going to walk through this verse and, and use that as sort of our guide. Because light has come, first and foremost, the Word has come to speak to us and to inform us. In John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. John's reminding us that this light that we've read about, this Word that we read about, is not an abstract construct. It's a person. He has come. He has come, and because He has come, we've been spoken to. We love to be spoken to right now. We are in the age of information. We want to know more. We want to know more about our workout analytics. We want to know more about our cellular structure. We want to know more about how our diet impacts our life. We want to know more about the stock market. We want to know more about expense ratios and how many minutes it's going to take for me to get to North Hills. We want to know about real-time traffic data. We want to know. We immediately grab our phones and Google anything and everything all the time. We we, we crave to be spoken to. And because the true light has come, God has spoken His word to us. The, the unknowable, unsearchable, inscrutable, incomprehensible God has spoken to us. And He's spoken to us in His Son. Verse 14 reminds us that what that Son says is truth. He comes to deliver truth to us. We, we, you want to know truth for your soul, truth for where joy and life and hope forever are? It's come to you in this light, in this sun, in Christ. Indeed, later in John, he would say that he is the truth. If you find yourself ever wondering what is true, what is real, what is a rock to ground myself on in this life, the true light coming means that Christ is your truth. He's our truth for us. And he not only speaks a word of truth to us, but he speaks, as verse 14 does remind us too there, he's full of grace. That God would come and that he would speak these two things. Truth, that there is a God that, as verse 3 says, all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. There's a, a truthfulness. There is a God. He is worthy of worship. We are sinful humans that need a rescuer. That's why the true light had to come. He's speaking truth, but he's speaking grace. And the fact that these two things would be what he would be full of are amazingly beautiful. That he would say, and how you enter into this truth, how you know and are known by this God is by grace. It's by grace as we will see later. So because the light has come, we have a word to inform us and we have a God who speaks to us. Because light has come, we also have life to enliven and pulsate, and pulsate inside of us. You see in verse, and you see in verse four, it says, "In him was life, and the life was the light of men." Into what Ephesians two would say is death. In our flesh, we are dead. We're dead in sin, and into that death and darkness, life has come. Like the valley of dry bones in Ezekiel 47 laying out lifeless, the light comes and the spirit comes and breath and life and spiritual vitality enter into the hopeless places. That's the story of Advent. It's 400 years of silence. It's a lot of death. It's a lot of spiritual death and there's not a lot of life to be seen and it's a lot of crying out and because the true light comes, God promises to give 
life. Indeed, again, in John, he records that Jesus would say, I am the life, I'm the resurrection and the life. That life, not just a heart that beats, but life that's real, that's full, that's full of purpose and meaning and value is found in Christ. Even as my little Hudson said this morning, he said, when we talk about loving Jesus, you say that I'm I'm becoming wise. Why do you say that? And I said, well, because the Bible makes clear to us that, that life happens as we have eyes to see and hearts to behold Jesus. That wisdom happens as we begin to see and to hear and to receive the life that Christ offers. There's a, a living that's beyond merely living. It's the living that's forever living. It's eternal life. It's deep meaning. It's deep hope. And that life comes to us in this light, which is Christ. We have the light that has come, it pulsates in us and enlivens us, but that light also illuminates us. You see in 4b through 5, it says, that light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Psalm 119 would say that that, that light is also like a lamp or a lantern down onto our way. This life is hard, it's dark, it's difficult. Anxiety, difficulty, oppression, injustice, besetting sin, evil that's just perpetrated in the earth and on us that seems to barrage us, darkens this world. It's, the, it's this dark world that's run by the prince of the power of the air, and yet the true light has come that illuminates the world. It's this inbreaking of light that orients us amidst a disorienting darkness. And this morning... All of us have areas, maybe it's a more comprehensive part of us, but we, we've all got pockets. We're struggling, physical pain, emotional pain, spiritual pain, betrayal, uncertainty. Uh, there's darkness and there's difficulty, and the Bible will say in that kind of darkness, we, we can, we're, we're kind of blindly stumbling around trying to feel our way out, and we're desperate for some light. Like this morning, I'm coming downstairs to fix coffee, and I didn't know that there was uh, several other boxes from Christmas Day and some uh, My Little Ponies on the steps. And I get about seven steps in. Right foot goes on a My Little Pony. Left foot goes into an empty Christmas box. I grab the, I grab the stairwell, and in that moment, I needed some light. And I needed a little bit of something to let me know what was going on. And it's just a simple reminder, a little nugget of grace. It's a reminder that we aren't impressive, that we are not all-knowing. We are not all-wise. We don't know what the next minute and day holds for us. We need light, and we have light. You have light. It has come into the world to give grace and wisdom to us. We can see because of the grace of God to pour light out on us. The encouragement out of that is that, that Christ would be our light more than that YouTube would be our light, more than CNN or MSNBC, more than any other light source that we might would grab after. There, there's a better light. There's the light of the Word of God, and there's the light that is Jesus to whom the Word of God points us. And that this would be our light that would light up the way before us in marriage, in parenthood, in life, in recreation, in finances, in every part of our life that we, would, that we would recognize and that we would rest in light that we have and that the light would speak to us and would guide us because the true light has come. We have brightness to illuminate our way because light has come. 
we can experience the love of God to adopt us into his family. You see there in these verses 9 through 14, this amazing picture of what the light was coming to do. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. What an unbelievable moment that is to recognize in, 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 inside of all the, the death and the darkness and the need and the hopelessness, there's come this beaming light of life and light and good news. And the story that we've been walking through, if you've been with us through the book of Mark, has been this story of seeing the disciples and all these people not receive it, reject it, misunderstand it, push it away, recoil against it. And it's easy on the backside of Advent or on the backside of Christmas to look at that in indignation and in judgment and say, what morons, you fools, how would you ever not receive this good news? How, how would you not receive it? And yet, if I and we are probably honest with ourselves, that's what happens on a regular basis in our own lives. When pressures come, when Thursdays happen, when Tuesday mornings happen, when phone calls on Fridays happen, when difficulty arises, when the proverbial heat gets turned up, we resist, we reject, we recoil against the good news. The good news of light and life and help and hope and deliverance that's in Christ because that's against the grain of our autonomy. It's, in the, it's against the grain of our control and that's what has happened here. They didn't receive this light that had come in the world. But in verse 12... But there's a flip side. There's a, a side that's this rejecting, recoiling resistance to this light, and yet there's an amazing opportunity and invitation for us all in verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of the man, but of God. But to everyone who would hear this word coming to speak, that would receive and see this light coming to illuminate, that would, that would embrace this life come to invigorate, what does God do? He gives the right to become sons and daughters of God. You kids in the room, you are in a family. You've, you've got a, a family. Or you've got people that love you, that are watching out for you, that are, that are rallied around you. And that provides you a sense of, of care, of belonging, of stability, of love. And God is saying, whatever you experience in that little window of your life, in that little capsule of your life, when you see my light, when you hear my voice, when you receive my life, you get brought into my family. We adults, we get adopted into the family of God. We get given the right to become sons and daughters of God. Not by who we are, not by the parents we were born to, not by the country we were born in, but because of the will of God who would set his love on us. He comes for us. This light comes. It's a light that's full of life, and it's a light that's full of love. It seems unbelievable, and yet God is saying to us, my life-changing World-shifting love would bring you into my family. It would give you a new inheritance, a new future, a new name, a new hope. And one that Solomon would say that's, 
that can't be had under the sun. This, this life and light and hope and love had to come from outside of us. It comes beaming in. It comes sent forth from the Father to rescue and to redeem. That's what verse 14 makes clear to us. This word, it became flesh and it came to dwell among us. All that we needed that we didn't have, all that we were desperate to accomplish that we could never muster up, God sent forth in this Son. He sent this word, this life, this light to become flesh, to enter into death and darkness and depravity and wickedness, our own inside of us and and holistically in this world, that life came. That life came, and as verse 5 reminds us that the light that's shining in the darkness, this light, as verse 9 would say, true light, not fake light, not light for just today, not light for temporary moments, but the true, eternal, everlasting light. When it comes, that light, the darkness can't overcome. The darkness can overcome the light of your peppy mood on a Monday. The light can overcome how you feel positively when things that you love are excelling and things that you don't are coming down. But the true light that gives light to the world, the light of Christ who's risen from the grave, darkness can't overcome him. It didn't overcome him. He came, he lived, he died, he rose again, he ascended to the throne, he's coming back. Darkness didn't overcome Christ. And darkness won't overcome his kingdom. As the scriptures make it clear, right, the, that, that Christ is building his church and the gates of hell, the gates of darkness, the powers of darkness won't prevail against him and his church. We need that good news this morning. We, I need that good news. The good news that's reminding me, Drew, the, the darkness and the death and the difficulty and the sorrow and the sadness that's pressing on your heart as a sojourner and as an exile in this world, in Christ, it's not the last word. In Christ, it's not overcoming the gospel. In the gospel, Christ wins, light wins, life wins, hope wins, he wins. It's what 1 Corinthians 13 is all about, right? It's that love endures all things, it suffers all things, and it never fails. It never ends. This love is an unstoppable, unending love. So that's what this Christmas story, that's what this coming of light means for us. It means we've heard the voice of God speaking to us about ourselves and this world and Him and all He's done to make us right with Himself. It means that His life has come to breathe into us vitality, to give us life that never ends, to illuminate our way in this life through this darkness and through this pain. Light has come. He's come demonstrating and declaring His love to us to make us sons and daughters. He's done that all by grace, not by anything that we would do. And so what what do we do with that? What do we do with this news? Like the folks carrying the trays of really expensive hors d'oeuvres at the wedding party, we don't just sit back and marvel at their amazing tuxedos and dresses and how shiny the silver platters are and how appealing the parfaits and the the shrimp-wrapped filet mignon and and the bacon-wrapped green beans and all the things are no We go and we enjoy it, and then in the overflow of enjoyment, we share it. 
And this is the simple but convicting reality of what Christmas is meant to produce in us. It's meant to produce a life that's a witness. Acts 1.8. You've experienced all of this. You've seen all of this. Now go and be my witnesses in Judea and Jerusalem and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And in verse 6, we see an example of that even in John the Baptist. Where we see there's a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. John says later in this book, in chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. That there's a reality, a connectedness to the amazing story of Christmas, the beauty and the wonder of what all God has done for us in Christ, to a life that is lived sent. That we live sent as Christ lived sent into the dark spaces, into the lifeless places, into the, the hopeless dead places we go. Christians, ambassadors, Corinthians would say, carrying light and life and a message from the king. There's hope, there's life, there's light, there's forgiveness, there's healing, there's restoration. And the question for us is, to what degree is our passion to bear witness to that light in agreement with God's passion to bear witness to that light? To what degree is the passion that I have to see people where I live and work and play and do business see the light and hear the news of the gospel? And how much of agreement does it have with how passionate God is to get that news to those who desperately need to hear it? And so, light has come. It's come for us. It's come crashing into our world. May we be those who receive it. May we be those who enjoy it. May we be those who savor it. For our joy and for the glory of God. And then may we be those who don't go out into the world uh, like dutiful, obligatory, self-righteous Christians who just move and be and quote our verses of Scripture. But would we move into the world as light carriers, as life bringers, as word speakers, as gospel sharers? Why? Because that's who our God is. And that's who He's made us in the gospel Church, this is a, a wonderful time to reflect on Christ, to thank Him for coming. The Son came. He came for you. He came for us. He's worthy of all of our worship. Let's give it to Him proudly. Let's pray. O oh light, O oh Christ, you did come. Thank you that you did. That you did, and because you did, God, you have spoken to us. You've enlivened us. You've illuminated life for us. You've invited us by grace to receive salvation in your name and invitation to your family. And God, would you fill our lives with passion and joy to see light and life and hope and salvation extend to the ends of the earth because the true light has come and that light is life for everyone who would believe. Do that, God, for your glory, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.